0: Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't
1: care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the it's hard my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Gun, gun, gun. Your predictions, right? You were forecasting fantasy football into how good is this player. This is going to, it's going to change the industry.
2: Yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now.
1: Look at me now. Hello yeah, and welcome yeah, to the All22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi. I am joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto, and we are the co-founders of All22. Uh, Bobby, I'm not going to just jump into it this time. I'm not going to do that to you. Last week I did it. I'm not going to do it this week. I'm gonna give you your opportunity. I hope you enjoy it. The Giants are two and
3: Again, guys, I do not take this for granted. All right, two and O, baby. I expect to be, be looking at all these statistics that were 0 and 0 and two teams make it five percent of the times to the playoffs. Now I'm looking at two and O, the complete opposite. Like, yeah, this is unreal, unreal. Um, yeah, couldn't couldn't be happier right now. I've seen a lot of stuff about how we're like the worst two and O team in football. But you also see, you know, people say you are what your record says you are. And I tr- truly believe that. So good teams find a way to win in tough games and bad teams find a way to lose. So I'm happy about
1: it. I don't have any way to prove this. And Bobby, I noticed you do this a lot. So I'm just going to do it too. I had Andrew Thomas as my number one tackle of that draft class. And I feel like I'm finally benefiting from, from that, even though I don't have any record of it. I'm going to say people can just believe that I, I actually made that case. Speaking of records, okay, mm-hmm. we do have it on record now that we do a podcast
3: of Ray saying, Oh, it's just one year. It's just one year. It's one good year.
2: You do remember that,
3: right? Right? Because I can find the videotape.
2: I didn't okay. say he was going to only have one good year the rest of his career. I just it's said the implication. two years, it was just one year. Like, you know, that's all. <laughs> <It was laughs> no the implications there. You know, it's like Cooper Rush miracle game, but yeah, let's just talk about, you know, the Giants. So
3: I'm pretty sure you said it's one year,
2: relax. And now yeah, yeah,
3: relax. highest graded tackle in the league highest graded offensive lineman in the league and i think it's by like eight grade points too
2: and how do you I feel want about going self- p- against parsons just uh yeah this, no. this week
3: you guys will probably put him on neil super cowardly move you know but that's probably what will happen i get it yeah
2: okay makes sense so, so when so when we get your your lineups uh your weekly lineups we're gonna see your players going against the toughest matchups right that's that's how you're gonna set it because you're not a coward Yes. So you're just gonna you're gonna start guards that lineup against Aaron Donald on Sunday? N- just despite
1: you now, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, and his plan's working.
1: And as great as Andrew Thomas's performance was, it really was like another terrible week for offensive linemen. So like I don't wanna talk about it too much, but it was a really bad one. So it's great to be the best, but he was kinda of like the best of the worst, you know? But you're still 2-0. You're still
3: 2-0. Dude, it's almost a 90 grade. I'm, I'm I'm, happy with that, even if there's five other guys ahead of him. They're going shine. Especially <laughs> the worst. Especially especially I saw somebody repost the uh, – I think it was Lewis Riddick who was going on about how he was the worst offensive tackle in that draft class, and by far the worst. Straight what? up saying that. So
1: it's good. You know, I'm, I'm going to take my victory lap now. I think it's time. It's, it's good. I think one more thing you can feel good about is, right, like, even if Evan Neal <clears throat> struggles a little, doesn't mean he's going to be bad, right? Like, tackles take a little bit of time to develop. I think it's people have gotten so used to this, like, instant reward thing with offensive linemen, which yeah. really shouldn't exist. So, you know, should make you feel a little bit better about Neal. I mean, anybody who's not, not Nate Solder, I feel pretty good about, to be honest. <laughs> Gosh. But anyway jumping into it we are introducing a new series today so going forward we will be challenging experts in the fantasy space to what we're calling all 22 verses. uh bobby do you want to let everybody know what that actually is yeah
3: so basically what we'll do every week is we're going to go head to head against one of our friends within the all 22 community so this week for instance we're going to have Um, John Macri on here, who's a big IDP guy. So we're gonna see how the all 22 guys go up against um, the IDP community. So what we did was we set some rules, right? We didn't wanna just come in here and pick Justin Jeffersons and, you know, the Pat Mahomes of the world. So our rule was that you couldn't pick anybody for your team that was top five in all 22 ADP, right? We want you guys to get, come away with this from, Come away with this with some start suggestions and things like that. See some of the lesser-known guys in our lineup. Also add a little bit of a challenge to it.
1: Um, but we're really excited to roll this series out. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And where can people find uh, our picks for the week?
3: Yeah, so we'll have our picks right here. On, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're not, we'll have this on Twitter, Instagram, and
1: TikTok, you guys can check out who we picked. Awesome. And you mentioned John. So with that, I'd like to announce our special guest of the day, the first ever All-22 guest on our podcast and our challenger in the first ever All-22 verse. And that is John Macri. John, it's awesome to have you here
0: guys thank you for having me um i i told you before i'm honored to be uh the first guest it's it's nice to not have to follow anybody so nobody has set the bar too high for me to try to 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 beat now so i can set the bar low and then the next people coming in can uh, can obviously top that so but i i still appreciate you guys having me on as the first guest and yeah excited to, excited uh with the platform obviously and uh excited to try and uh, try my hand at this all 22 versus uh thing here and we'll see how i do against uh, you guys who have been uh, <laughs> deep into this stuff obviously for for a while now so I'm, I'm i'm up against it but i'll do my best
1: sweet man and before we jump into uh your picks tell us a little bit about what you do with pff and how you got started in the idp space and most yeah, importantly so I'm, uh, and full... most importantly what attracted you to all 22.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I started with, uh, with PFF about five years ago as a part-time data collector. Um, I've moved my way into a full-time data collection position and I also, uh, work on the content side doing some fantasy work there, mostly IDP. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as the, the all 22 stuff goes, I mean, this is the main thing that attracted me to it is finding a fantasy game that actually, uh, judges players based on their own on-field performance there instead of just counting stats and and the box score stuff because that that could be a little bit misleading sometimes and um isn't you know fully uh it doesn't fully reflect how a player actually performed uh in that week so this was kind of the perfect way to do it, the way you guys have built it here. Um, and then I, I got the chance to beta test it last year and, and loved it and got really active and, and into it. So uh, happy to, to be a part of it again this year and, and we're gonna get a few more leaks going as the years go on for sure. So uh, yeah, very excited and uh, love what you guys have done and the site looks amazing as well. So that's really cool.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, let's get started. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So we'll start by jumping into some of your picks. Uh, I noticed back Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah, started with Jalen Hurts. Um, I mean, even I was uh, I was a little bit surprised at, at how high he was grading already this season. But watching the games, uh, it shouldn't really be that, that much of a surprise. He's played a pretty clean two games uh, to start the year. Zero turnover worthy plays uh, in those two games, which is obviously a big thing uh, to help his grade and, and maintain it at a high level um and he does he has the highest passing grade so far this season so i, I, I cheated a little bit and i, I would lean towards uh, who's grading the highest at the quarterback position i didn't i tried not to do that for all my positions but uh a big fan of jalen hurts this year and i really like the matchup going against uh, washington who has a bottom five coverage grade as a team and a bottom five run defense grade so hurts can hopefully eat on the ground and through the air this week Yeah, that's a,
3: that's a great pick and I noticed you said that you really like Jalen Hurts for this year. Now, Ray thinks he's a glorified fullback playing quarterback. He said that on the pod a thousand times.
2: I might have said you... it once off camera, to continue. What do, you,
3: what do you think of Jalen Hurts' trajectory moving forward beyond this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit skeptical, too, like come, when he came into the NFL. And, and after his first year, you know, he didn't really show a ton. Um, there was a lot of question marks around his game. and. I mean a a lot of people have pointed this out but he's gotten better each season obviously it's only a two-game sample size this year but he's gotten better again um so you know he 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 has what nfl offenses uh seem to covet which is that uh dual threat quarterback um and if he can yeah start making those passes like he has already this season uh he's got the weapons to do it and i mean that that's got to help right so yeah, not just for this season. I'm uh, he's starting to grow on me as well, and uh, I think he can be a nice, uh, nice dynasty asset going forward. Yeah, I, I happen to
3: agree with you absolutely. Is there any like behind the scenes PFF data that you take into consideration as you're setting your formations each week on on offense and defense? Like, is there any? Do you always go eleven? Is it a weekly kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I think I. I mean, I pretty much always go 11 just because I punted the running back position because as we know, they don't matter. Um, and uh, this, <laughs> obviously for this platform, their their scoring isn't uh, weighted very heavily either. So that, that's taken into account. So didn't want to use the running backs. I, thought, I think there's more good wide receivers to take advantage of than running back. Um, running back's been like a really kind of volatile position as far as grading goes over the years. It's hard to kind of find... Um, player at the running back position that consistently grades well. So uh, I was kind of back and forth with with who to play every week. So I'm, I think I'm just going to stick with 11 personnel going forward and, and uh, play my wide receivers.
2: We noticed uh, going through your, your list here, right? So um, heading to wide receiver, you doubled down on the Philly-Washington matchup here with A.J. Brown. So is that some sort of you know correlation you feel or notice between a quarterback and a wide receiver grade or is it just based on uh the opponent being washington this week or do you factor in like the quarterback's uh performance when making a move at receiver since you do mention um you know you're moving towards that 11 personnel package and and the receivers obviously being a big part of that so um what do you take into account when making that decision And uh, yeah, I I mean, I think Adrian Brown's a good pick. He's a, he's a beast, but just want to hear some more about your thought process there.
0: Yeah, for sure. So as far as like the wide receiver kind of quarterback stack that I did here, I don't know how well it's going to work, but yeah, like I said, I do like Jalen hurts, especially for this week. And I think, you know, as far as like how the grading works for, for receivers, some of it is production based, right. Because they need to get the ball to be able to get um, positive or negative grades. Um, So I think, you know, just that connection that Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown have already kind of showed this season. Um, Hurts looking for him on, on the majority of plays is going to help get that grade up there. AJ Brown's already the fourth highest, uh, wide receiver in, in grade this year so far. I think it's 86.7 receiving grade. Um, and then again, like just coming back to that matchup against Washington, um, they're, not a great coverage unit or they haven't been so far this year they're above average in zone coverage rate, and that's something that aj brown has really um kind of dominated in he he owns a 94.9 receiving grade against zone coverages um so he's he's gonna eat i think and uh yeah i really wanted that combo in there because yeah who doesn't love aj brown and uh my my wide receivers i they they're kind of the obvious choices but (laughs) um aj brown was one that i really wanted think we should admit him off limits guys yeah. <laughs> yeah he said top five adp and he was sixth. so it was, <laughs> it's, it's genius, genius. Yeah. Just, to, just to recap um john's receiver group for
3: those of you that are listening a.j brown stefan diggs and drake london some really good picks there
1: yeah and then a tight end tyler higby so higby's grade seem to be floated by his receiving grade right are we correct in assuming you picked him uh, based on Arizona's 38.7 team coverage <laughs> grid, or <That's>, uh... <laughs> do you think he has some sneaky blocking ability in there that you're, you're banking on?
0: Yeah. It, it's mostly for the receiving grade against that coverage unit. Um, yeah i I really like higby i know he doesn't have like these eye-popping grades like a 62.9 offensive grade something like that um but yeah getting the cardinals in week three i i really don't think they have any idea what they're doing on defense yet they're moving isaiah simmons around all over the place taking him off the field zavin collins has like a 37.5 coverage grade he's the top linebacker that's who higby's probably gonna get a, a a lot of looks with so I, I just – I mean, I think Stafford and the Rams, are. their offense is going to get it together. And, and Higby's been – you know, he's been a big part of their offense so far. So um, taking a shot there with the, with a little bit of a dark horse this week.
3: Yeah, it's a really good
0: pick. Um, going through your offensive line group now, uh, start
3: with your tackles, right? So you have Isaiah Wynn and Deion Dawkins. Now, Deion Dawkins is really the only Buffalo offensive lineman to grade well, which is really surprising considering how, how explosive their, their offense has been. Right. From a grader's perspective, though, I've seen a lot like the strategy that I see the strategy that all 22 users often take where they try to find offensive linemen who are part of a good environment. Right. A one part of a good offensive line, um, which certainly isn't the case here for Deion Dawkins. But is there anything to that strategy? Could, could Deion Dawkins be grading better had he had if he had better guys around him? Just want to get your perspective from somebody who is involved with the grading
0: yeah it's a good question um I, I mean just knowing like how the grading works it's it's so focused on like each individual player especially for the offensive line right um you know there there could be be the occasional play where um there's maybe not a good communication between offensive linemen passing off stunts or something like that so they screw each other up kind of thing so in in that case it could probably help but for the most part these guys grade um on their own especially yeah looking at Deion dawkins kind of standing above the rest of the 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 bills offensive line unit and and I, i have a couple others a couple others as well on on the offensive line who stand apart from their, their offensive linemen, uh, teammates. So yeah, I, I, I mostly just looking at which guys are actually good because I know those guys are going to get looked at as, as individuals and not part of uh, the unit for the most part.
2: Yeah. So let's go into that a little bit, right. You kind of led us right to the next point here. So the remainder of your offensive line, right. You have Nate Davis, uh, from Tennessee, Brandon Scherf, uh, at the other guard spot, and then Eric McCoy uh, at center so for for davis in particular right that tennessee offensive line has not been uh great still early in the season but they haven't been running the ball very well uh davis has been a bright spot but he's got a pretty tough matchup against andrew billings this week um you know who's been a solid player throughout so uh we kind of talk about and debate amongst ourselves as to um you know what happens when you have that sort of you know iron versus iron unstoppable force versus a movable object type thing Do they cancel each other out um you know in the trenches have you seen you know the same thing there or or is there anything different that you take into account when at least when you're thinking of matchups in the trenches there on the offensive and defensive side of the ball um when making your selections
0: yeah definitely trying to look at matchups especially for those positions that go kind of head-to-head offensive line defensive line wide receiver cornerback things like that um yeah the i mean andrew billings was really the only one on that raiders interior defensive line that that worries me it's a weaker unit as a as a whole um and davis is pretty much their best offensive lineman at this point since taylor lewan went down um so i i feel good about him against it, i hope he doesn't draw as much <laughs> as many matchups against the uh, the the andrew billings that is and gets you know mixed in there against some of the other raiders uh defensive interior players but uh and then also hoping that max crosby doesn't stunt inside a ton that would help as well but um yeah, I, I just feel good about the matchup. I think for the most part the Raiders' interior defensive line has been pretty ineffective so far this season, but uh, I do like Billings. I just picked him up off waivers this week because I saw you guys' tweet uh highlighting him. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's right, Andrew Billings. So you had a, you had a couple that. guys on this list from our tweets. Do okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. We're gonna take
3: we're gonna take all the credit for those jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pay yeah. So okay. even if we
2: lose this week, we win. Okay,
0: right. fair
1: enough. <laughs> To round out to round out your offense, you had Brendan Sheriff uh, in Jacksonville at your guard, your other guard spot. And then you had Center Eric McCoy out of New Orleans. But guys, we have an IDP guy on here. Let's let's jump into defense. And I wanted to ask you about Kenny Clark. And I have a two-part question here. So one, you know, obviously Tampa's interior offensive line is beat up. Um, thinking that played into your decision here. But really, what I want to know is when do you think do we start to see Devonte Wyatt? Um, being a part of the Packers equation? And does he help to, uh, Kenny Clark when he does eventually start to make his impact?
0: Yeah, that, that's what I've been hoping for as well. I think um, Jaron Reed, uh, who's been starting alongside Kenny Clark in the interior, not the best player uh, that, you know, he's he's kind of known for for being like a pass rushing defensive interior player, but he's not really that great at it he's just kind of compiled uh stats from being on the field he's not like a he's definitely not a kenny clark level uh, pass rusher um so yeah i i liked Devonte wyatt a lot coming out i thought he'd get a little bit more of an opportunity early but it's hard rookie defensive linemen take a while to develop right so um i, I think it could be you know maybe after the midway point maybe post by or something like that we start to see more Devonte Wyatt get worked in there but um Either way, I mean, Kenny Clark by himself has been uh, on fire to start the season. And, yeah, like you said, he gets a nice matchup against a banged-up Tampa Bay offensive line. So uh, hoping that helps, and then having Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith on either side of him doesn't hurt either, right? Yeah. I never never realized how long it
3: really took defensive interior players to develop until I drafted Derek Brown in our our first-ever rookie draft in all 22. I'm thinking that I just drafted a bust but now it's three years in and you're starting to see, you know, he's, he's not grading so poorly. So yeah. Ed Oliver
0: too, right. From, from the bills. Um, Mm -hmm. This is another guy that took a while to come on and he had a nice uh, back half of last season and obviously got hurt early this year, but he should be back soon. And uh, he was looking pretty good too, but it took a while. Right. So these guys don't always hit the ground running like a, like a Nick Bosa, for example, uh, on the edge.
1: I always make fun of Ray for being the ageist of the group, like uh, discriminating against older guys. But, you know, I definitely have a concern with Wyatt. I think he's 23 already taking taking this time to develop, um, you know, as a, as a dynasty guy. It's, yeah. it's a little concerning.
0: Yeah, yeah, you like to look at those things. They they are important for dynasty, right? I think even Devin mm-hmm. Lloyd, like the linebacker for Jacksonville, he's he's a bit older as well. There's a few guys um, who who should be good dynasty prospects, but they're they're a little bit on the on the older side. Um, I did quotations; I so couldn't see them. But,
2: yeah. 24 <laughs> and a half, Chris. He's really old, actually. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, that is concerning. Then that COVID <laughs> year is uh, throwing everything for a loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he'll need so, a
1: walker
3: so- next year. So, John, you're in a nickel formation, um, just for those of you that are listening and can't see the graphic right now. Um, your two defensive interiors are Kenny Clark and Dalvin Tomlinson, the ex-giant. Um, and your edge rushers are Marcus Davenport and Chandler Jones. I want to ask you about Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones really has not graded particularly well to this point, Something somewhere in the 50s, right? Yeah. yeah. So what I wanted to ask you, Dennis Daly, who he's probably going to go up against this week, <laughs> his 13 and a half pass blocking grade that doesn't scare you at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that was, uh, pretty much the only reason that I chose Chandler <laughs> Jones this week, um, <laughs> is because of Dennis Daly. And yeah, that pass blocking grade is pretty abysmal. Um, I mean, it's pretty much the only reason I, I chose Dalvin Tomlinson as well, going against, uh, Logan Stenberg on the, on the lions with his, uh, 0. 0.0 and 4.0 pass blocking grades so, oh my god yeah so i i wanted to, t- to try to pick some some easy matchups for my defensive linemen and i know jones hasn't really uh popped as far as, as the grades go but i mean even at 32 whatever he is could he's probably gonna whoop daily consistently in this one so hoping that he can get me uh, another one of those dark horse picks uh, to emerge yeah, it's a, it's a really good pick. I actually almost erased our picks for edge and
3: put Chandler Jones in there, but I'm not going to cheat. We'll still play fair. fair <laughs>
1: Maybe next week if we lose really bad this week, you know? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, I want to move on. Like like Bobby mentioned, you're in the nickel formation, right? So we have two linebackers, uh, Ernest Jones from the Rams, and then Bobby Okereke from, from the Colts. And I think uh, the interesting name here is Ernest Jones, right? He kind of just... Burst onto the scene in week one uh, as as a young linebacker that performed really well. Um, so I guess a couple questions here, like, is Ernest Jones as valuable to you in an IDP format? Uh, because, of course, as Dynasty players like like us and many others are, it kind of ruins your perception of young players uh, in season long. Right. You just look, you see that age. And you go, oh, yeah, that's that's a pretty valuable asset for the long term, even if it's if there's any type of of uh, valuable performance there at all. Right. Just given that age, you you sort of see stars and think 10 years down the line, everything is going to just be smooth sailing. Um, So has all 22 changed your perception in IDP or vice versa? And, you know, as to how that you view a guy like Ernest Jones, for example.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, for, for the linebackers position specifically, like I don't value it as highly in in like a balanced uh idp league just because there's so many of them they're pretty replaceable you could find them on waivers you just need that kind of warm body production but as far as the all 22 way of looking at it the linebackers don't really grade that well as as a whole It's, it's a really tough position to play and they get picked on a lot so finding the good ones is Really tough. So when somebody like Ernest Jones, uh, who is a younger player, like you said, like starts to show, you know, some splash plays and, and pop a little bit in, in the grades, I kind of want to jump on them and, and try to acquire them now while, um, while they're still attainable, basically, because once they reach um, Micah Parsons levels, they're, they're not going to be uh, as easily be acquired obviously so um yeah i, I do like ernest jones I, I think he is a good player um he's getting the snaps now uh, as well so he should hit that snap share minimum that we that we need for him to to count in our, in our scoring and um yeah i i am I'm, I'm all about trying to acquire these guys young and and you know jeremiah moa ernest jones whoever it is that uh that's that's grading well that you can acquire now especially at linebacker uh, attack for sure
2: I cool. think those names were near and dear to Bobby's heart. Right. Yeah, he
0: <laughs> yes, That's my guy. Nice.
3: Yeah, cool. A good
1: one. So, so we talked about your, you chose nickel, right? So we got three corners here. You got Nate Hobbs out of Las Vegas. You got Marshawn Lattimore out of New Orleans and Mike Hilton in Cincinnati. But I want to concentrate on Nate Hobbs. So a lot of the all 22 community credits Gus Bradley for Nate Hobbs success, right? Last year. Now with Patrick Graham. Uh, you know, we're seeing him kind of keep the pace. He didn't, he didn't miss a step there. Mm-hmm. So how much did scheme play into your decision making in this platform? And specifically, do you think it impacts uh cornerback even more significantly?
0: Yeah, I think it can, right. Um, you know, it playing in to their strengths, right? Some, some corners are better in zone coverages. Others are better in man. Um, but looking at like Nate Hobbs specifically, um, he, he i mean he's just a player that i really liked uh i thought he's he's he plays well he's actually a good idp asset as well uh so far this season so uh, i do have a soft spot for him but um i, I do like the way the raiders kind of use them right they used them a lot in the slot uh in week one they they used him more outside week two so they they obviously trust him to to do both jobs um because he's capable of doing it especially playing in the slot it's not an easy thing to do and he has this i think is what did i put here the sixth highest coverage grade when lined up in the slot so far this year um so that that's really impressive uh he's got an 80.7 overall grade on the year a- and the matchup as well Ryan Tannehill um or Malik Willis whoever plays uh and and that Titans wide receiver score there's nobody that really scares me there so corners tough um but I think Nate Hobbs uh can can be a decent score this week and beyond not to mention
3: Tannehill probably won't have much time to throw with his 13.5 Graded left
0: tackle <laughs> <black>. yeah, Yeah, <laughs> hoping Nick Davis is the only one that <laughs> that keeps him clean. That's it. Um, moving on to your safeties. So
3: I'm going to probably butcher this name, but Talanoa Hufunga from San Francisco and Taran Matthew. So, of course, I'm going to ask you about the name that I'm probably going to butcher again, and that's <laughs> Talanoa Hufunga. Um, and I kind of want to know, like, where did he come from? It's fifth-round pick last year didn't play much at all. When he did play, he graded pretty poorly. And now all of a sudden he's the highest graded safety in our <laughs> platform. Like what, what happened? Like what, what do you like about his game? What's, what's, what's um, raising his grade so high? And do you think this is sustainable or just like a two week thing?
0: Yeah. I don't. Not that I think it's going to be as high for, for the entire season, but he's, you know, just kind of riding the hot hand here. And especially for, for Hufanga, like, he he was a player i really liked uh coming out of college and i thought maybe he'd have a chance to be an idp uh, asset as well and um uh he he was somebody that came out of usc and was being used as like a pass rusher he was used in the box he kind of did everything there um and the 49ers are are kind of using him in a similar way not so much as a pass rusher early but um yeah i mean he's he's popped in the grades that's for sure and and going up against russell wilson who's been pretty volatile and we we know what his cooking has looked like so far this season i think he has a chance to, to at least keep it going for another week yeah it's a really that's a really good pick and i think you're probably right um and then
3: just to round it out your punters and kickers which won't really dig into too much but how do you how do you choose a guy like a punter like you have matt hack from in indianapolis what what
0: goes into that decision yeah, not not much. I'll tell you that much. I, I looked. I was looking at the punters, and I was like, okay, who is the most kicks to land inside the twenty? Um, whose offense is fairly ineffective? Uh, it, and I, I think you know, for the Colts, we saw what they did last week. I don't think they'll turn the ball the ball over as much. I think, but but I don't think they're going to move the ball a ton either. So I think he'll have some opportunities to get some punts in there. Uh, and yeah, I like that he was landing them inside the twenty. That's Gonna help his grade as well. Um, but that's pretty much it. Punter was punter was tough, man. I, I haven't got a chance to look too much into special teams grades uh before, so I appreciate you guys forcing me to look at that uh, <laughs> to figure it out.
1: Okay, so to close out John's defense here, he had Kenny Clark and Dalvin Tomlinson at defensive interior. His edge rushers were Marcus Davenport and Chandler Jones, linebackers Ernest Jones and Bobby. Ukeriki, and then corners were nate hobbs Arshon Lattimore, and mike hilton and then to close it out at safety i'm gonna butcher this name talanoa hufenga and tyron matthew so you know again john so great to have you on we really appreciate your time uh we had a lot of fun doing this we hope you did too um and then everybody listening out there uh, John, you know, he's on PFF's website. You can find his articles there. And then, you know, give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already. Uh, it's at PFF underscore Macri, and that's M-A-C-R-I. Um, John, again, thank you so much. Can't say it enough. Your support's been tremendous, uh, and it was super fun talking football with you.
3: Yeah, and for anybody listening, John does some great breakdowns, too, that are applicable to both All22 and IDP. So he's really a good follow on Twitter. I highly recommend for sure.
1: Cool. So as always, thank you everyone so much for tuning in. Make sure you check your lineup every week, right? Go uh, set your depth chart, pick your formation, uh, and uh, make some trades. People get excited about those. And if you don't already, which would be super weird, give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, also at TikTok at all22 underscore PFF, and then leave us a review on our podcast network, whether that's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen and thanks again for tuning in.